Everyone talks about the need to change education, but very few people actually do something about it. Here at Kajrat Academy, we're taking action. This podcast is a dialogue about new ideas in education, the impact of technology, the changing needs of students, and other new trends. Let's take these ideas into classrooms around the world and move the needle together. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Education Innovations Dialogue podcast. My name is Rachel Burson and I'm here with Ellen Fox, who is the head of the Montessori Academy of New Jersey, Doris Roman, who is the head of admissions at the Montessori Academy of New Jersey, and Svetlana Tikhanov, who is the founder of Quadrat Academy. And today our topic is discussing how Montessori schools are dealing with COVID-19 and what characteristics make Montessori schools a safe environment for adjusting to COVID-19. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you, Rachel. Good morning. So just to start off, how are Montessori schools adapting to the new COVID conditions and what's working well, what's been um, needed to be adjusted? We're fortunate in that our classrooms are large and we don't, even in non-pandemic situations, We don't have children sitting at desks in lines, but rather working individually or in small groups. Um, The children, surprisingly, even our youngest children have adapted very nicely to the um, spacing, social spacing. And um, so that has helped. Um, Our particular school has a vast outdoor environment and the teachers are, and the weather has been cooperating. And so we, the children are spending more time outside uh, with lessons or with, with um, various activities. And so just very peripherally, that's our particular situation. And uh, I'm, I'm in touch with a lot of other Montessori schools and it seems as though many of them seem to be able to have that same situation. Yes, and at Quadrat Academy, we also had to adjust a few things. So we've set up outdoor classrooms. Uh, these, luckily, we've had great weather, so these have worked uh, well for us. Uh, when we do uh, in, in-person work, we are in the hybrid model, so uh, two days online and three days in person. And we've also expanded our experiential activities. So we tend to take kids outside Um, because we're in urban school. We have to travel to be outdoors. Uh, We don't have the luxury of uh, um, the Montessori Academy of New Jersey. They have a beautiful farm and a natural outdoor space. Uh, We go to parks. Uh, We also come here uh, to the farm and we travel with the students to make sure they have an ample outdoor time and we use that as a learning learning environment for kids and of course our indoor spaces are all prepared so we've had to introduce filtration systems we have lots of windows which are opening we're doing all the cleaning and sterilizing and um, that also seems to um, help with the environment so being a smaller school do you think montessori schools are a safe bet for students during covid and why or why not well, I think that it, we are a safe bet and we are seeing that in the amount of parents that are soliciting, sending their children here to the point where we're at this point being very cautious of accepting more students. 
Um, we have prepared the classrooms um, such a way that there is spacing available. Uh, just like Sadama mentioned, we do have increased the um, airflow in our uh, in our uh, building. We've added uh, air purifying systems. We do a lot of cross ventilation, and we do go outside. So I think all of that, plus the fact that we are a small parent community that is very very cautious and very aware of the risks involved. Um, all of that plays into our favor. And, and uh, yes, I definitely think we are safe, as safe as you can be in this time. So how do Montessori schools continue to offer both the experiential learning aspects and also um, just like other aspects of Montessori education while still maintaining COVID safety? So based on, it kind of depends based on the ages of the children. In our toddler room, for the very young students, nothing really has changed much other than we're increasing sanitation and they're washing their hands more often. Um, in the primary classroom with the, the three to six-year-olds, um, typically it's not really a big change in that the children do enjoy working by themselves at this age anyway. So we have spaced out desks or the floor mats where we're not giving them quite as much of a choice as where to work and with whom to work. But again, there isn't really much of a difference. At the elementary age, uh, we have had to adjust in that we remind children that yes, you do need to wear your mask and no, you cannot sit on top of each other, which typically is what they like to do at that age. So that's been the biggest challenge. The children have been living with it for quite a while. They're so happy to be back in school that they're willing to take um, the negative of not being able to be so close to their friends with the positive of having at least the ability to socialize um, with other people or with peers of their age. And outside, because we have the large outside environment, we did set up tables. We are in the process of getting a tent so we can increase the outdoor instruction time. So. Um, Overall, it has been less challenging than I would have expected it to be. And at Quadrat Academy, because our kids are older, we're in middle and high school, we, uh, when we go outdoors, and we usually have Friday as a travel day, but now when we go for a hike with the students, uh, they have to maintain distance. So we're putting some measures in place so that the kids are safe. But I do feel... Uh, being outside and having experiential activities has been very beneficial. Not only it's a safe, uh, a safer environment than being indoors, but also it is uh, mentally very important for students. It provides them the opportunity to socialize and and, and provides them an opportunity to be out, outside, away from their screen and the computer, which uh, which is a challenge for most students. Now. Other things that um, that help in our situation. Um, on Fridays, we have gym and art. And instead of trying to deal with um, the whole class, what we've done is broken up the class so that half the class is at gym while the other half is at art. And then after the hour and a half, um, they switch. And um, so they both both groups get gym, both groups get art, and we're able to do that in such a way that that it's safe for the children. We're able to space them out, even though the instructor in some ways is giving instruction, um, you know, in a group uh, fashion. 
So what are some of the unique considerations when adapting Montessori schools to a virtual format and how do students continue to receive a quality Montessori education while learning online? So Montessori Academy, we have actually been in person since the beginning of the school year. Uh, we have made a conscious decision that we are going to pursue this as much as we can. Um, giving online education to a toddler is not appropriate nor feasible. So if something was to happen, I don't think that would be the route we would be going. The elementary students have in the past received uh, virtual instruction as have the younger, the three to six year olds. Um, but again, we are, we are committed to staying away from virtual instruction as much as we can. Uh, it's, it's not something that we're interested in pursuing at this point. Yes, and at Quadrat Academy, we, we are in the hybrid model. When, uh, when the pandemic just began, we did go online fully for um, uh, two months. And the way we managed it in, in Montessori education, we are project-based. So a lot of the learning that kids are doing in science and math is uh, basically activities and projects that they have to carry out. So we actually would prepare boxes project boxes and send them to uh, students' homes and, and then carry out projects remotely. So for example, we, we ran a uh, solar car competition in April and participated in, in the university program where students built their sustainable cars. So we would gather all the materials, send them to everyone's home and, and did the projects on Zoom and kids were still able to participate. Uh, the same is true for, uh, you know, our online classrooms, which are twice, twice a week. But I think there is a way to still maintain engagement for at least older students when they're online. However, I find with, when they do get together in person, it's such a beautiful dynamic. They're very happy. You can see the excitement when they just are mm -hmm. together. And so definitely there's nothing that beats, you know, in-person interaction for, for the kids, especially in the Montessori environment where they, the environment and the programs are designed to be very, very interactive. However, there are ways to do it online, of course. I, I should add at this point that we did go hybrid when COVID first started, and it was successful to the extent that the children remained connected. They were able to, to do a we basically scaled the program in the sense that many of the projects that we offered and introduced were things that they could do in their homes with whatever was available and around. But as Svetlana was saying, it is not a supplement or a replacement for person-to-person -person interaction in any way, shape, or form. So could we go that route if we had to? Yes. Preferably no. Yes, and my daughter was actually in the right. program, and she was online um, in in March last March, and she mm -hmm. loved coming on Zoom because it made her feel very important. She sees me going on Zoom, so she had her own <laughs> iPad. Both of us would get on Zoom, and she was very serious. She would sit and prepare materials and, and things she needed uh, for the classroom, and she loved all the storytelling. So mm -hmm. it worked, of course, for a little while. A little while. Mm -hmm. Actually, I have a follow-up question for you, Svetlana. You mentioned some creative techniques using online. Um, are there any like new models or online techniques that you have been using or that you would recommend for maintaining student engagement and interest? Yeah, so we've tried a variety of tools. Um, essentially, you know, we've 
we're doing a lot of media work right now, which is popular. So for example, the Media Lab kicked off a podcast. And so students, while they're online, they're also learning how to use media. So our head of media is running a class which is focused on editing. And so what we do is we would have a guest speaker in the school um, and they're doing a live recording. The rest of the kids would be on Zoom uh, from their home and they are learning how to manage podcasts, how to interview and they work remotely. That's one of the formats we're doing some documentaries. We're playing with Zoom and how to edit Zoom, how to make it live. We're also working with some of the design work. Our kids are into the arts. They love the arts. Um, they love video. They, they also like to cook. So now they're learning cooking videos versus just doing it in person. And they have a YouTube channel. So there, you know, we had to play with a lot of online tools. Um, we also do, so we have community meetings in the morning and to keep engagement, we, we play games with them, right? We share art, we share music. And, and we just had to pivot a lot of that online. So we play categories, you know, we do some challenges for them online to keep them engaged and interactive. Um, and they're also taking on jobs. So in Montessori, there uh, is a culture of students running a lot of things at the school. So now they have new jobs, including the photography, including sound and media work, um, and different things that we have to do, um, you know, for, to accommodate the online learning. So how can Montessori schools prepare students to live in a post-COVID world? I think that Montessori, just in its, in, in its whole presentation, what it's about is um, preparing children for life. And we don't know what life is going to be like in the future. We don't know what jobs are going to be needed and available to our students when they mature. Um, and so we're not preparing them just for the tests. In fact, we have a quote, um, getting the right answer will get you through the test. Learning how to learn will get you through life. And basically, um, we're just following that precept. Um, in, in this situation, uh, with adaptations, obviously, but um, it's not foreign to us. And so I think that that's, um, that's probably another, another reason that Montessori schools are maybe better able or to adjust to the situation. It's still not perfect. Again, in Montessori, we're preparing children for life. And right now, this is life. And uh, I also want to point out, Montessori schools have a culture of maintaining a clean environment in schools. So students do all the cleaning in general. And this was uh, one of the amazing things that I always observe when I visit Montessori schools, just how clean they are in general. And students are always cleaning their supplies everywhere, even the little, um, little kids. And that has been uh, very important for us, right? Uh, so, so far we've had no uh, cases, everybody's healthy, thank God. And I think that plays an important role and it also teaches them to do that in the future, right? To maintain their clean environment mm -hmm. and that is safeguarding even the post pandemic time. And the other part of monster education is moral education. And I think that is also very important. Right now it is very challenging 
I see a lot of stress. And, uh, we we're in the city, so we see parents are very stressed out. The environment is very intense. There's political situation. You know, there's uh, health pandemic. People are losing jobs, and the Montessori schools create a safe environment for students. A very collaborative environment. It's a community, and you feel that. And I think that support is carrying us through pandemic and will last after the pandemic. So these students moving forward will be very supportive of each other and will be quite um, you know quite strong individuals and hopefully taking care of each other and taking care of the environment. So do you have any recommendations for our listeners either for parents or for other educators who want to uh, make sure that Montessori schools can continue successfully learning during COVID especially going into the winter where outside isn't as much of an option? I think the biggest thing that we're telling our parents right now, so we've shared with them what we're doing in terms of ventilation, but we're asking them to make sure that your children, A, wear layers, be prepared for any kind of weather. We will take them outside. So it's, it's very rudimentary and basic uh, uh, um, suggestions right now. Just allow us to help your children through this as much as we can by supporting us and not questioning, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Um, we're, we're not randomly throwing the children out in a blizzard. Just trust us with that. But on the other hand, we need to do what is right for all the students in order to continue to offer the wonderful programs we have. Um, and by all means, if your child is sick, if there is anything, be transparent. Don't put medication and then send them to school and hope for the best. Because ultimately we're all gonna suffer if something goes awry. And so the appeal at the to the community and the appeal to parents to continue, and they've been wonderful, I will say that. The parents have been absolutely fantastic. But continue that knowing there is an end inside at some point. We just may or may not see it right now, but that would be what I would ask parents and listeners to do, just help us. But again, it's not blind faith. Right. Uh, we are, we're trying to be, you know, very, very open and letting them know, answering, anticipating their questions and their concerns and addressing them before they become paramount in their mind. Um, letting them know what we're doing. And they can see what we're doing. Um, they can see the, the, um, we're, we take very seriously uh, the, taking the temperatures as the children arrive and um, all of them, all of the things that we've had to do. Uh, they can see that and what they can't see, we're, we're quick to advise them of so that, uh, that they can be relaxed. Yeah, and one thing I, I had, uh, you know, a discussion with our team around managing expectation. And this is for all the educators that are out there. You know, first of all, you know, thank you for all the work that you guys are doing. Uh, it's, it's amazing to see that educators show up, they're strong, and they also have a lot going on in their personal lives. So big thank you for, for being there for our kids. But the other advice I have is manage your expectations. Uh, this is a COVID year. Um, we all have rigorous academic programs and activities. This year, not a regular year, right? So 
at some point you have to let go of some things and let follow the student body and observe students and see where they are with their mental and emotional state. Where is the community and pivot? And that's what we're doing. Uh, and that's been a very important factor for success. And I think Montessori schools are probably better equipped at adapting because in general, we follow the students and we observe quite a bit and we're free to change and adapt the activities uh, to tailor them to students. So this year, it's very important to understand where, where's the line for the students? When are they fatigued? You know, if you see students get tired, we can stop the classroom and just go to the park at any point, right? We can adjust the activities, we can change things. And that will be very, very important for both the educators and the students. So observe, help students be successful. And I wish everyone the best of luck. Well, thank you all so much for being here and for all of your insight. And we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.